So welcome to the first of a series of podcasts that we're doing for our parish, Good Shepherd with St Peter's. And we're doing this because at the moment our worshipping life is taking place on Sunday mornings on Zoom. So we have just five minutes then to explore our theme and our Bible reading. And we wanted to offer a bit more time and space for people to stop and think, to ask questions, to reflect and to have some more food for thought. So we're hoping over the next few weeks to do a series of podcasts connected to the themes of our Sunday morning worship and uh, hopefully you'll find them useful. So I'm joined this afternoon by Dr Nicholas Shepherd, um, not here because of his theological expertise, here because he happens to live in the same house as me. Lockdown rules. Welcome Nick. We, we, we're also joined in my study by the dog who may contribute to the discussion through scratching thank your lucky stars there is no smell function as part of a podcast. So last Sunday uh, we heard from Cherry in our worship and she was talking on the theme of worship so that's the theme that we've taken for our time this afternoon and Nick I wanted to start by asking you a question. Go on then. Could you tell me about a profound experience of worship that you've had? Um, yeah, there's, I've got two that would come to mind. Uh, the first uh, was somewhere where we've been together, but it wasn't, I don't think it was it we were together, I can't remember, we were both in Croatia at the same time. I was doing a youth camp for uh, kids who were uh, from... Uh, from Bosnia who'd gone for a holiday and it was a Christian camp uh, and we were singing uh, this, the, the chorus over the mountains and the sea uh, and uh, the place where we were staying was right between the mountains and the sea and I was just struck by uh, it was being sung in English or Croatian uh, and I was just struck by the the profundity of being in that situation with those kids in that place them having gone through what they were going through uh, us as visitors being connected to their story and God being uh, under undergirding all of that and I just really really powerful sense of God's presence at that particular point for me and so every time since then I've sung that song uh, less so at the Good Shepherd in other places uh, it's come back to me as a kind of a memory that I associate with it so that would be my first one and the second one would be radically different it was at uh, Bristol Cathedral uh, where we went when you were at college there uh, and it was Maundy Thursday, uh, and in the in it was the crypt or the chapter room. I'm not sure which room it had been setting, but the, uh, the, the 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 cup had been taken and placed there for um, uh, after communion, uh, and uh, it was decorated out. Um, but as you walked down into the space, it was just a really tangible, again, kind of weighty sense of God's presence, uh, and the people who were normally kind of very ceremonial in their robes and stuff were lying prostrate on the floor genuinely in adoration of God and that was the vehicle for for that adoration and both both of those experiences for me were quite profound. Wow so the first one happened was it during this the war in just after yeah between one of the kind of interludes between the between the different wars in the Balkans. Okay and then the second a sort of I guess a religious experience in a in a more formally religious place yeah but both both would have been designated as times of worship so yeah. it was kind of rather than experiences that got outside of worship yeah. and by yourself what about yours 
Um, I think the one that most readily comes to mind is um, the experience I had when I first became a Christian. Um, I'd been going to church from the age of five onwards and every Sunday I went to Sunday school and we were stood in a drafty church hall. We had a, a new youth leader who was kind of young and trendy. He had uh, a cassette player that he brought with him rather than having songs on the piano. And I remember standing there surrounded by other young people my age, 12, 13, 14, some younger ones as well. And he pressed play on the cassette player and uh, the, uh, the Shines is a Shine was the song that we were singing. Um, so this was back when Kendrick was cool. Yeah, 80s classic. And we were singing and then suddenly I was completely overwhelmed, um, which I would now say by the, the presence of God and, and by the Holy Spirit, and I started to cry. And I cried because the words of the song made me feel that the cross was real, that Jesus was real, that his death and resurrection were real, and if they were real it changed everything and it moved me to tears. And I, I do look back now and think that was literally the turning point for me, I think, where I I felt that God came into my life. Um, so it was very profound because it, it sort of changed everything. But it was also kind of weird and awkward because I was 12 or 13 in a drafty church hall crying in front of my friends for no reason other than um, God was brilliant. So it was quite an interesting experience. Um, but I would say I've had plenty of subsequent experiences. Sometimes they're very peaceful, inspiring, uh, moving, different things. So what, what's going on in those experiences then? What, what is it that, that's happening? It's hard to know. I mean, I guess what I just said is in, in my own experience, I, at the time, I, I don't know what I thought was happening. I can look back now and say I was experiencing something of God through the Holy Spirit, but I don't think I would have had that language at the time to understand it. I think fundamentally for me, there was something that was happening in worship where it moved me outside of myself. I suppose we might talk about a transcendent experience of God, where you have a sense of an otherness, something greater than who you are. And, and we might liken that to a mountaintop experience where, or looking out across the sea, where, where you just feel that the world is bigger than you are. And, and, and that's actually a, a life affirming thing because you feel you're part of something greater. And, and it, it moves you or speaks to your soul in some way. So I guess at a very basic level, that's kind of what it feels like when you have an experience in worship. Mm. Um, what would you say? Well, just as you were talking about kind of mountaintop experiences or feeling like something outside yourself, I, I was immediately taken to my main experience of singing at the moment, which isn't happening at the moment, which is on the football terraces. Yeah. Um, or, or you could go to a concert. You could have that sense of, being transported out of yourself. But for me, the difference between those experiences and a worship experience is that in worship, we're, we're intentionally using that song, using that time to get caught up in God's presence, to actually be connected or recognize our connection to God that, that, that we have by, by, by faith. So I think there's the key thing that's different in a worship time for me is that that time is set aside, the thing you are doing is helpful and purposeful in somehow uh, recognising both our dependency and our, uh, our, our 
the life-giving connection that we have to God. So that, that for me, it's like an intense expression of what we know is there all the time. Yeah. So, I mean, sometimes when we talk about worship, I think we immediately go to singing. And actually, interestingly, well, we, both of us shared an experience about singing and then your experience at the cathedral or something else. But, but I guess the term worship encompasses um, music, singing, prayer, spoken word, uh, the words we use through the service, mm. scripture, the, the sermon even, all of that structure of worship that leads us into the presence of God. But I think w- what I hear you saying is that worship is fundamentally about relationship and connecting with God and being in the presence of God in a very intentional way, um, rather than perhaps if you... Those mountaintop experiences, or when you see something beautiful in nature, I think they, they can kind of take you by surprise, but it does feel like in worship there's something more intentional because we set out with the intention of coming into the presence of God and connecting with our Creator in some way. Well, we do stuff in worship. So worship, worship is about um, things that we do individually or together that enable us to connect with God. So for me, um, if you... If, Singing is, uh, you know, can be many things. It can be an expression of human joy, can be an expression of anger, depending on your style of music. It can be, a, it can be used for all sorts of things. It can be something that draws a community together. Uh, there's loads of things that are going on in that, but it's being used intentionally uh, by Christian communities in praise of God and in the hope that we will meet and encounter God. And the same will be true of colouring. So I know churches at the minute that have sent out. Um, colouring sheets for people to do whilst uh, they're watching their church podcasts because you don't have that kind of material, you know, it's, it's something physical and just kind of doing the mindfulness colouring as you're listening uh, helps you focus or lets your mind wander. So for me, worship involves stuff. It involves uh, physical acts, uh, material things, uh, symbols, signs, music, and all of that is intended to communicate to us like the words the words communicate to us the music helps us to communicate it's that's that's why we need stuff in worship yeah which is interesting i th- think that's that's quite helpful actually to sort of say um worship is not then a set of feelings it's actually yeah. a set of actions that lead us into uh, an encounter yeah um so it, it feels that feels much more uh rooted and grounded and tangible than than maybe the intangible place where we started that was a bit a bit esoteric and i guess if you'd started so the question we started with was the most profound experience of worship which actually often leads us to the most memorable or the most significantly positive but 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 you could imagine being in a worship situation where you felt uncomfortable you felt awkward you felt like something wasn't fitting that is as much communicating something about our dependency on God and where we are as those more profound experiences. And it might be that you suddenly you work out what it is or you don't quite work out what it is, but somehow it kind of leads you to engage with God or just express your frustration in a slightly different way, uh, you know, or just recognise that it, it something's bothering you. Um, and you may not have noticed that if you hadn't had that time set aside or you hadn't been put into that encounter so it doesn't all it it has to move us i think that for me that would be the main thing about worship is we're we're moved by it literally moved forward or moved emotionally um and in order for that to happen the stuff is there to help us okay thank you some good thoughts to get started with cheers (laughs) 
So I'm just reflecting on the first part of our conversation and I can't help noticing that a lot of what we've said about worship so far is quite subjective. It's it's focused on human experience and although on one level I, I understand that, that we see things from our perspective, I, there's something about that that bothers me a bit because mm -hmm. I, I feel that worship should be a response to the person of God and to the action of God and we've kind of talked around the fact that how worship makes us feel but surely worship is about the fact that God is the creator and the redeemer and the one who first loved us though therefore worship is worship is what he deserves because he's God do you see what I mean I do, no yeah I do I mean I think that I guess the experience of worship I'm setting aside as different from kind of what you might call a life of worship because that responds to God mm -hmm. that is what is demanded of us and I use that word intentionally because we are created by God so we are created in the image of God we're created to be in relationship with God we're created to display the fingerprints of God in all our activities in the whole of life mm -hmm. so the whole of life is meant to be a response and an ongoing engagement to God's goodness in creation and God's um, work in Christ in terms of you know beginning to put all those things that have gone wrong right. So it does it does start it does start with God, but I would I would say that the when we talk about worship experiences or song worship or types of worship, you can't get away from the fact that that is connected to some form of human. Uh, enterprise, so singing, music, written words of prayer, drama, art, and those things touch our experiences. So I think there's something important in worship about those things and about those experiences set in a whole life response to God as creator. So maybe to take the whole life response, uh, I mean, I guess, you know, worship for many people happens at church once a week maybe twice a week obviously it doesn't happen at the moment because we're at home but usually that's where people experience worship so in terms of when you're talking about the whole of life as worship I find that helpful because it it makes me think of um, Jesus talking about the most important commandments of love the Lord your God with all your heart mind soul and strength love your neighbour as yourself and, and I guess for me there is something in worship which is about ordering your world in the right way as in you love God and you love your neighbour and you love yourself but I think for me it does begin with somehow trying to live in such a way that God is at the centre of your life, your priorities, your choices, your use of your time, skills, energy, money, everything, that, it, that it's about God. Uh, and, and I take your point about the sort of cultural forms but I, I do think we risk losing something which is that is that God deserves our worship. And, and I don't mean there that, that God is a sort of needy tyrant. Um, I'm sure you can think of needy tyrants, everybody, um, around our world today in northern countries. Um, but I, I think sometimes people criticise uh, Christianity as if to sort of say God is this needy tyrant who expects us to lie uh, prostrate and, and say how wonderful he is. But I think for me, it's this idea that we're created by him and created for relationship with him. So actually, we feel 
most um, at peace in ourselves when we are in worship of God because it, it, everything in life then falls into the right order. We're made to worship him. Yeah, well, our, our, our worship doesn't add anything to God's nature no. or to God's sense of God's self. Yeah. Um, God is complete. Yeah. And, and God is love. God is God is God is infinite and the source of all things. Yeah. So we can't add anything to God by our worship. So it's not that you know He gets charged up on a Sunday morning. The more people who yeah. are, you know, He's got like a like clicker in YouTube, and now He feels good about you know God feels good about God's self. Then um, it's more it's more as you said that when we engage with God in that way, we get completed. Yeah. Because our existence is dependent on the Spirit of God. Our yeah. existence is dependent upon the Creator God. Uh, and our experience of being close to God is dependent on the relationship that we get through God through through what Jesus has done. So we, we get completed. Yeah. But that, but that sense of what it means to, to be fully human uh, gets, gets at that. It's a different way of getting at that idea of whole life worship. So... Um, when Jesus says he's come to, to bring life and life in abundance, or when the Bible talks about Jesus um, being the second Adam, sort of restoring human nature, when we engage with God, we become fully human, yeah. fully humanized. So worship times help are part of that process, but you can encounter God's activity and presence anywhere in God's world. Yeah. Um, so the whole of life is open to moments of encounter with God, and also the whole of life can be directed towards the praise and glory of God. Yeah. So that's why Martin Luther talks about the cobbler, you know, nailing their shoes to the glory of God. That sense of vocation of work is redeemed. Yeah. Um, there are some challenges around that in terms of what work can and can't be redeemed. Um, when I was by the pond yesterday and I'm sitting looking at a, a little robin, that's, you, you've seen it too, that lives, lives in our gardens, coming and drinking. That's a moment of just reflecting on the kind of both the fragility of creation and also just the beauty. And it was a moment to be directed towards God. Could yeah. have been directed towards nature, but intentionally it's actually recognising that there is a creator behind that. So the whole yeah. of life can yeah. be... And I think that's what I'm getting at, actually, is that sense that um, it's moving beyond the it is making me feel good. Um, and it's moving beyond the isn't it a cute robin to say, actually, it's cute robin because it's created by this incredible God who is the creator, who sustains his creation, who yeah. um, makes things in his image, who makes things with this uh, just infinite creativity. And I, and I, and I think sometimes... Uh, worship can become too focused on what we need such that we miss what God rightly deserves because he is God um, and, and, I, and I think sometimes actually some of the older hymns they're, they're rampacked full of theology which speaks of who God is and, and I've, I've heard some people criticise the newer worship songs because they sort of say they are too experiential and about our feelings. I, I think I can recognise the need for both, actually, in, in terms of what we're saying here. But there is something for me about um, thinking about the person that we're worshipping. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, thinking about the personhood of God. I think that's the phrase you use. I think, I think there is. I think what I'd say about the older hymns is that at their time, any 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 hymn or song or art form at its time was meant to kind of pull on the characteristics of the age. So you look at some of the things, you know, Handel, some of Handel's music, some of those great hymns, that kind of Baroque music 
was meant to evoke this sense of a wonderful universe that God created. Yeah. And, and the Baroque architecture was all meant to evoke that sense of mm. uh, the beauty of the world that we're, that we're in. The contemporary songs are meant to evoke this sense of intimacy in relationship that might come through that style of... Now, neither is wrong for me. Yeah. It's, it's actually our faith is one that balances both. Our faith is one that balances that intimacy yeah. and that transcendence, that God being beyond us. And so we have space or ought to have space for both of those. Yeah. For, and they're different types of experiences. When you go into a big cathedral space and look up and you get that sense of, wow, that's meant to evoke a feeling. Mm. The same way as if you light a candle in a Teze song, it's meant to, for me, it's meant to evoke a feeling. Yeah. Because we feel God's presence. As well as thinking through and understanding, I think we are moved emot- emotively. And I think for me, that's, that is at the heart of worship. So this takes me on to another, on another thing that kind of gets my goat. Um, and that's the issue of taste and worship. So we all know we all know what kind of style of music we do and don't like not just in a church context you know what we would choose to listen to when we're at home um you know very well that I love listening to country music which is deeply uncool um one of the things I think I struggle with a bit a bit is that I understand that people need a vehicle to kind of lead them into that place where they can connect with God but I also think sometimes people seem to kind of dig their heels in as if to say I don't like the cultural form I don't like the way it sounds therefore I'm going to cross my arms and and I'm not going to worship God and I can tell I'm getting excited here because I've leant forward in the armchair (laughs) got louder she got louder but I think that's where I go back to but God deserves our worship that I I know you you don't want to be in a position where constantly you're in an environment that actually just switches you off because you don't like the cultural form. But but I guess I'm sort of saying, can we not from time to time park our personal tastes and find a way to connect with God? Or am I expecting too much? Is that that a perspective of a vicar because it's my job to be in a variety of worship And keep everybody happy as well, which is part of the... True. Part of the, you know, or keep everybody... Keep everybody's needs in mind, for want of a better description. Yeah, and, being, and, being, being fair. Yeah, okay, that's, and, and maybe that's where I'm coming but, from. So, but I'm, I guess what I'm saying is, to what extent should taste govern our ability to engage okay. in worship? So, can you worship God through music you don't particularly like and songs you particularly don't like singing to or prayers you don't particularly like? Yeah. Well, the answer is yes, um, but that takes work and effort. Right. And for me, it's about this issue of the what's your intention. Yeah. So, so I would think that there are there are ways that might come naturally. Um, it was interesting that Evie, our daughter, the other day when country music was on, said, "Oh, this sounds like Christian music." Yeah. And it wasn't. It was just a country song. But that's yeah. because that style of music has become adopted and used, and it's easy and familiar yeah. to lots of people. And because it's easy and familiar, um, it it just washes over people and they may not even notice yeah and and all of us have got those influences that make some forms of of music or some forms of worship easier for us for us to adopt so i i would go for a a more you know trying out different things and some things might be a little bit like oh i don't like that uh some things might might really really resonate with you but i think you can you can participate but but it, it may not 
move you in the same way because it doesn't trigger those associations and those okay. those memories and feel. So, but I think I think it's a little bit like the the scriptures that talk about the verse in the Bible that talk about uh, being. It's more to do with being of one accord with the people that you're with. It's more to do with the fact that you don't want to put a stumbling block in front of other people. Yeah. So uh, it's much more to do with, our, our, from my point of view, um, being connected to other Christians who might like to worship in different ways and actually being supportive of them. Yeah. So I would I would sing and join in with those songs, but it, but if I didn't have a space where I felt really connected, I would probably get frustrated. Yeah. Um, and I, and I think and I and I, and I know others would too. Yeah. So I think it's about trying to find that kind of balance, but keep that togetherness. I like I like the word that you use. You know, it's about maybe about participation, but you mm. might not be moved by it. But I also hear what you're saying, which is, you, if you were in a space where you were just participating every week, but you kind of weren't, your soul wasn't engaged. Yeah. Actually, that would be quite a, um, a hard place to be. I guess I was, you know, thinking as you were talking about. Um, well, it's our daughter's birthday tomorrow, and so we've said to her, you know, what do you want to eat? That she she'll get to dictate the menu for the day, and there's something there about it. it it's actually around her needs and her tastes and her interests, because we want to engage her and, and make the day meaningful. And I think there's something about that. Those trade-offs that, um, yeah, helping different people to, um, yeah, blessing different people by enabling them to find meaning, but also, yeah. But I think it says something about the type of people we envisage ourselves being the the way in which our forms of worship so if you are a very church that's very focused on one particular style of worship and likely to attract people who just go for that style of worship and don't make any accommodation towards other styles i think that says something about what you consider to be important yeah the other interesting thing while you were speaking is uh, you you know, we've so far talked about the um, vertical axis of connection between us and God. And actually what you've just brought in when I was asking about taste is the horizontal axis about our relationships with one another. And worship's an interesting thing because obviously we can worship by ourselves. Um, but for most of us, our experiences of worship are corporate. They happen with other Christians and obviously they happen usually in the context of a church space, a church building. Um, so I think there's something helpful that you brought in there, which is worship isn't just about me, mm. me and God. Worship is about the gathered body of Christ as well. And and I wonder if maybe sometimes we need to be reminded of that, that it, it there is the communal dimension there. Yeah, and I think that that can happen as an individual, but it's like the song that I talked about, when I when I... When I listen to choral music now, which I do quite frequently... You certainly do. <laughs> when, when the, the choir, choir boys are in, in yeah. it's because of that time we spent at Bristol Cathedral. Yeah. So I'd never engaged with that side of the tradition until we spent time at Bristol Cathedral. And now it's a really important part of my life. Yeah. Um, and I will go to to Evensong, I will go to other services. And, and it's because that tapped into a dimension. And it, But it also triggers a memory... It's about being part of that people. It's for me about part of being part of the Anglican Church. It's part of my identity there. Yeah. And if I'm listening to Over the Mountains and the Sea, in the, on you know on my iPhone, I will be taken back to being with those people. So I don't think there's ever such a thing as an individual Christian okay. worshiping, because 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 it's impossible in my view to to be anything other than connected to the church, um, corporate now or over over yeah. time because yeah. we're 
we're situated in it. And that's why these cultural forms are really, really important because they connect us, historic, for me, they connect us historically. So to use, even if the words have been slightly altered, but to use the same pattern of prayers that Cramner wrote in the 1500s, at the start of the Church of England, which went back to the 4th century sacramentals that have been developed, is brilliant, mm. as it is to listen to a song that's been performed by a friend of mine that I now know who works in Hillsongs Australia. It's, so for me, that horizontal connection yeah. is really, really important, and, and it's, you can't escape it, even if you're listening to worship on your own. So we've just talked about the fact that even an individual worship experience connects you back to the people of God and to the context of community. Um, we talked a bit about the place of uh, church and the cultural form and the things that we do in worship. I'm really aware that at the moment it's quite hard to worship because our church buildings are closed and because by and large we're not able to meet with others to worship. So I guess my question is, what does worship in lockdown look like or feel like or how do we engage with God in that way? So I suspect, you know, I suspect each of us are finding ways to pray, pray for ourselves, pray for others, pray, pray for our world. Maybe some are reading the Bible. But what about worship that's sort of something more than those things? I mean, I've enjoyed some of the I, I, I think the tactile things are important. So I think some of the some of the prayer activities that we've done. You know when we when the, the ones that you you and Sarah sent out um, Easter time ones were good. Uh, the prayer pot idea that was you know, that we pull a, a lolly pop out and, and all those have been really useful. Um, I think I think we do I think we are we are missing something in yeah. terms of not gathering together. Yeah. I think part of that is is the same as my 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 palace chat WhatsApp group. A lot of people are missing the gathering to go at the football the football games yeah um, personally speaking I'm I'm not missing that aspect in terms of my own sense of connection with God but I am missing it in terms of my own sense of connection with the people of God okay because um, I do like seeing people yeah um, but it but it but it has been a challenge but I wonder whether that disruption actually has been a real provocation for people to look for God in our everyday life and across the whole of life rather than an in a portion of our lives which we can drift into i mean i i think i would say i've i've found that to be true for me over the last couple of months um so i i guess nature is a place where i feel moved um you know being outside seeing yeah seeing the wonder of our world that that amazes me and i think that there's uh, there's a sense of praise that is released inside me when i think wow this is incredible um even seeing different birds you know when we were in oxley's wood mm. last week and and having to look up on the rspb app what a bird was and just not just a bird in general what a particular bird was yeah no a particular okay, bird yeah, right. was yeah but that yeah the sense of wonder at our world um i think i felt moved to give thanks to god uh, what i found really interesting was the the first sort of four, five, six weeks when we had the Sunday mornings on Zoom, um, when that hour or so of coffee finished, I had such a spring in my step. Mm. I felt so grateful for our church community. I mean, almost like I could skip out of the study, like, wow, that was so good. And I think that moved me to worship as well in terms of gratitude to God. You know, Lord, there's so much 
there's so much that we could have lost at the moment and yet I feel full actually of thanks and praise for the people who belong to our church community I I do think I, I know you've said you're missing the connection to the people of God um, there have been times where I've just missed being in a setting that enables me to sense that God is there so I know conceptually in my head that God is there but sometimes all the cultural forms that you've talked about whether it's music or the the building or whatever it is that the pattern of the liturgy it helps you to feel God is there um, and certainly last week I put some worship music on in my study and I, and I sang along um, with 2,000 other people on this video recording um, and it really helped mm. it really helped do something in my soul I I just needed to sing to God and I say that as someone who's not particularly music's not my thing I tend to be a word person rather than a music person but I just I needed to kind of sing then I realized the window was open I was, I was a little embarrassed and wondered what the postman thought but that's a well it does know. say the vicarage outside the house so True. you're probably all right on that on that yeah. front I've not done much singing I, I I don't I can't get into singing along to zoom yeah um, in the same way as I would shout at the telly if I was watching a football match but I wouldn't sing along watching it on the telly for me for me there's something which is about that kind of corporate being with people i i i, I do sing I, I i do kind of sing along to myself sometimes but i I, mm. I struggle with that but i do i have found zoom really really useful our coffee mornings and really enjoyed those and it got me thinking about the kind of the notion that where two or three are gathered there god is and even though we've been not physically connected that real sense that by gathering together we are together and god is there in our midst it's many even more mysterious in some respects that we are yeah just you know we are connected weirdly to all these people and it you know virtually to all these people and actually to all the to all these people and it made me think about um the new testament letters that letters were sent from uh, apostles and others to churches and church leaders to other church leaders and then read out publicly and in that reading they talk they talk very viscerally about being connected to those people and being part of those people and there are hymns of praise in them and but they were separated by distance but then they were still sharing in the worship of god yeah. together and i and i felt that we've experienced a little bit of that sense of being that type of church and i've really i've really i've really i've really valued that but i wouldn't want it to go on for too long because I think it would be begin you'd begin to miss the other aspects. Yeah, I think well that's going to be the challenge for us all um, is that this probably will go on for more than we would want it to go on for, um, and so we we'll probably are each going to have to find those ways to have that soul connection with God. Um, but it goes back to what I said earlier. So earlier when I was saying about the sense of discomfort. Yeah, I, um, I'm glad you brought that up because quite <laughs> honestly, when you said it earlier, I thought I, I don't I don't know what he's well, talking about. So it, we, we, we might find in this time in our worship that we miss particular things. Yeah. Or we f we're feeling uncomfortable. Um, but discomfort can be our friend in provoking us to notice w what God is showing us. Yeah. So I, either an experience that, well, all of us go through times in our life where God doesn't feel as present as as at other times yeah it, it doesn't mean that god is less real it's just a different space in that, that particular time of our life and i think in worship times 
you can have a similar experience and you know that's a bit of a a shorter example of that it might have just prompted a sense of disquiet you might be feeling out of sorts and have not noticed it before mm. and actually there are spiritual traditions like the examine where noticing that disquiet is the purpose of of resting before god mm. to actually notice the things that are bothering us so that we will bring those before god in prayer or become aware of where god is already working in those in those things and i think we'll notice our disquieting moments and i think the challenge is is to uh, is is to use those in a way that helps us to grow individually and corporately that might be lamenting the loss of some of them but it's also you know some of the great leaps leaps forward for in spirituality have been about lamenting a loss of something that you know look at the jews in exile and the number of psalms that are written you look at the church in mm. dispersed or persecution and the, and some of the writings that were done um, I'm not saying either of those are bad in term, uh, comparable to the situation but we might find that there are smaller examples of that that we get moved into at least I hope there might be yeah well uh, a moment ago the dog stretched which suggests to me that we've probably gone on enough yeah she's not really into worship though is she let's face it she's, she's not, not she's not got excited about that prospect maybe we'll have to think of something that's a little bit more um, attentive to canines but um, we hope that this has uh, been helpful whilst you've been ironing, cooking, cleaning your car, whatever you've been up to. I hope it's made you think a bit or perhaps even think differently. Um, and for now, let me say, Dr. Nicholas Shepherd, <laughs> thank you for joining me on my sofa. Thank you, Reverend Wife. For our inaugural podcast, um, Let's Do It Again Sometime, Indeed. dear. When you can fit it in your diary. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Thank you.